Alright, notice verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. It says, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings be it made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead." Alright, now that verse right there before I kind of get into what I'm going to be preaching... That one's often misinterpreted. People look at that and it's like, well, the resurrection of the dead, that happens at the rapture, right? When Jesus Christ returns, the Bible says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And a lot of people, of course, there's people out there in the world today that think you've got to work your way to heaven somehow, but we believe that salvation is a free gift. We believe that Jesus Christ did all the work for us when He died on the cross and all we did was put our faith and trust in Him. But He made that statement in there where He says that by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So is he saying here that he needs to arrive at a certain point spiritually in order to participate in the rapture? That's not what he's saying at all. In fact, we're not going to go and read through all of it again. But if we look at the beginning of this chapter, he was talking about how you know if he anybody could glory in the flesh, he's somebody who could, somebody who was circumcised on the eighth day, was a you know stock of the tribe of Israel, uh, you know the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. But you know what? He didn't he didn't look at those things. He counted all those things as lost. What he wanted to do, what Paul wanted to do, is he wanted to know him. He wanted to know Him, the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings. That's something we don't often care for. You know, we like the power of the resurrection part, but we don't often like the fellowship of His sufferings. And Jesus Christ suffered on earth, and sometimes we might need to suffer too. So what was He talking about here in verse 11? Well, verse 12 says, "...not as though I had already attained, neither or either were already perfect, but I follow after..." if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. What he's saying right there, he's saying, hey, I've not arrived at that point. Okay, And understand, when we resurrect from the dead, when Jesus Christ returns, the Bible teaches that we are going to be like Him. Now, none of us right now are even close. Okay, But we're going to be that way someday. And notice though, when he's saying that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, you know what he was saying right here? He was saying, I want to get, he's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to get to that point now. I want to be like Christ now. That was his goal. He said, it's my goal, my personal goal is to apprehend or catch on to what Jesus Christ has already caught for me. Y'all see what he's saying right there? Y'all, we, I talk, I think I talked about this last week, how when we got saved, we got imputed righteousness. We received Jesus Christ Righteousness. We get credited for that. Even though we are not as righteous as Jesus Christ is, we get credited for His righteousness. And Paul, he didn't have this attitude, well, I'm just going to take advantage of that. He said, you know what? I'm going to see if I can't get, you know, do what I can to get there myself. Now, I don't think Paul was, you know, being extreme here. I, I think, you know, that was really his goal. He wanted to be like Christ. And he said, I want to apprehend what I've, what's already been apprehended for me. And you know what? That ought to be our goal. We ought to want to be righteous, just like righteousness has already been apprehended for us by Jesus Christ. Well, we ought to try to apprehend our own righteousness. Not so we can go to heaven. We would be foolish to think that we could do that. But you know what? Just because we love Christ, we want to experience the power of God in our life, we want to do great things for God. So you know what? I'm not just going to take 
the righteousness that God has already attained for me, I'm going to try to do something myself. Why? So I can see great things here on this earth. I'm going to be like Jesus one of these days. There's no doubt about that. At the resurrection, I will be like Christ. But you know what? It's not. It shouldn't stop me from trying to be like Him today. And getting as close as I can and setting a goal and saying, I want to be like Christ. And so look what he says. Let's keep reading in verse... So Paul, he didn't think he'd accomplish this goal. But he was trying. you know. And he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus... Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So I don't know what I need to do to be like Christ. Well, guess what? If you try, God will reveal it to you. He'll open the Scriptures up to you. And if you'll actually be obedient to the things that God shows you in the Bible, you know what? He might show you something else too. There's a lot of people that are like, you know, it's like I've hit a dead end in my Bible reading. I'm just not getting anything out of it anymore. Well, maybe it's because you didn't obey the last thing that God showed you. And maybe until you obey that, God's not going to show you anything else. But understand, if you really do have a desire to be like Christ, the Lord will show you where you're lacking. The Holy Spirit will reveal where you're lacking. And so, you know, just keep on going. And so it says in verse 16, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So since we have imputed righteousness... Why don't we just go ahead and live like we actually are that ourselves? Okay, I understand that the righteousness that's going to get me into heaven is not my righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So since He has already credited me with that, why don't I just live like that? Why don't I try to be holy? Why don't I try to be blameless? Why don't I try to be as close as I can to God and just... I mean, be an example. He says, but brethren, be ye followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. There are people out there who want to take advantage of the grace of God. There are people out there who they will give a clear gospel message that's right. They understand imputed righteousness. They, they get all that. But their attitude is we don't need to worry about anything. We don't need to worry about acting like Christians, looking like Christians. We don't need to worry about all these laws. Don't worry about the Old Testament. Don't worry about any of those things. We already received God's righteousness. So, you know what? Forget about trying to be good yourself. Right here he's saying those people are enemies of the cross of Christ. We, Our last month's memory verse talked about how we're supposed to affirm constantly that we maintain good works. These are good and profitable for men. We don't do these things. We don't preach these things and tell people to do them so they will go to heaven, but we tell them to do it because you are going to heaven. Be like Paul and have an attitude. Since I have received the righteousness of Christ, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to act like I'm righteous the best way I know how. I'm going to be as much like Jesus Christ as I possibly can. And in the areas where I lack, I'll let His Holy Spirit reveal those to me and I'll fix those things. I'll actually change my life. I'll actually be a good example. And we ought, we ought to mark people who are good examples. And we ought to follow those examples. People often get mad at you for following men. You follow other people's examples. But you know what? I think it's appropriate as long as they're following Christ. As long as they're following the Word of God. If they veer off, then forget them and keep following the Word of God. But that's fine. But you know, we also ought to mark people who are causing division. People that are going contrary to what the Bible teaches. 
And those who want to take advantage of the grace of God are not people that we should company with. There are people out there today who I, I believe they are saved. But they have absolutely no interest in the things of God. They're not interested in holy living. In fact, the Bible says, mentioned in Matthew, he talks about those who break the least commandments and teach others so. The Bible says they'll be least in the kingdom of heaven. So it sounds to me like they'll be in the kingdom of heaven, but the Bible says they're going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. But those who do the least commandments and teach others, they will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So you know what? As a church, we're not going to promote this you know, this grace where we don't even care about how we act. We don't care about standards. We don't care about holy living. We're not going to promote that kind of thing here. In fact, we're going to preach against that kind of junk here. I believe many of these people are saved that teach some of this stuff, but you know what? We're not going to fellowship with that. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to fellowship with the liberal churches and the rock and roll churches. And listen, there are some rock and roll churches out there. There are some rock and roll churches locally that preach a correct gospel. But you know what? They also take advantage of the grace of God. You know, we're not, so we're not going to fellowship with that. I talked to a guy just yesterday. I couldn't believe it when I found out the church he was from. And I'm asking him about, you know, what it takes for a person to get, you know, go to heaven. And he was answering everything right. I mean, this guy had it down, and I'm thinking, how did you learn that in that church? You know, it's, I don't know. Somehow the guy got it. I don't know how he did it. I know this church that, that he's from. But you know, I say, well, maybe they preach the right gospel there. Okay, well, even if they do, if they're not going to behave like a Christian, if they're, if they're going to promote this, you know, attitude of taking advantage of the grace of God, if they, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I'm not, I'm not going to fellowship with people like that. And I'm going to avoid them. The Bible says in verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Why is their God their belly? Because they're just sold out to the flesh. They just give themselves whatever they want. Whatever their body wants, that's what they do. Whatever they feel like, that's what they're going to do. Not understanding that our vile body has not been changed into one like the body of Jesus Christ yet. So we're going to still have some sinful desires. We're still going to be inclined to do some things that we should not do as a Christian. We are going to uh, we are orientated into living a way that is contrary to Jesus Christ. And so you know what we should do? We should fight that stuff. We should go against that. We should do whatever we can to avoid it. And we ought to stay away from people that promote it. Verse 20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. It's still vile. That it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able to subdue all things unto Himself. So right there we see that we're not there yet. But Paul said, you know what? I'm working towards it. Paul said I've got, he had this goal that you know what? I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That was apprehended for me. Jesus Christ... God, he earned righteousness for me when He lived a perfect life, when He kept the law, when He never sinned, when He died on a cross, when He rose from the dead. He apprehended that for me. But Paul said, you know what? I've got a goal in my mind. I've got a desire. And that I want to try to apprehend it myself. I want to try to live in a way that pleases God. Paul in no way was doing this thinking, okay, I know there's one way to heaven through the free gift, but I'm going to see if I can't get there through my righteousness. He wasn't saying that. 
This is what Paul wanted to do. You know why? Because he wanted to participate in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He wanted to be a powerful Christian that saw great things happen. And you know what? You can be saved, but if you're not living like Christ, you're not going to have any power in your life. If you're not going to follow the Holy Spirit, if you're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have any power in your life. You're not going to see any great things. You're not going to have the fellowship of His sufferings. It's like, well, I don't even like the sound of that. But yeah, but you know what? You're still going to have your own sufferings. And when you have your own sufferings, you're not necessarily going to get the comfort of Christ during those things. If I'm going to suffer, I would rather suffer in the company of Jesus Christ. I would rather have the fellowship of His sufferings than the fellowship of the world's sufferings. I would rather suffer in fellowship with Jesus Christ than suffer in fellowship with all the druggies and the drug addicts at the you know rehab center. That's what I would rather have. And if I'm going to go and I'm going to take advantage of the grace of God, that's what I'm going to experience. But if I'm going to try to be like Christ, if I'm going to do right, then I can experience those things. I can have that fellowship here on this earth. And then the sufferings, maybe they won't be so bad. And it says in Psalm chapter 17, verse 15, so when, you know, when can we say I've arrived? When can we say I've accomplished it? Well, Psalm 17, 15 says, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. You know, that, I think what David's saying right there, he's like, he said, I'm going to behold your face, I'm going to behold your face in righteousness. Okay, I'm going to be, when I, when we stand before God, we're going to stand before Him righteous. Why are we going to have that righteousness? Because of the blood of Jesus. But you know what? Right now though, I'm not going to be satisfied with that. I'm not going to be satisfied until I awake with His likeness. When all of a sudden I'm just like Jesus, then I'll be satisfied with my righteousness. Then I'll be content. Some people think, well, I'm a member of a church. I've been baptized. I've taken communion. I've done this. I've done that. I'm all good. No, you shouldn't be satisfied with that. Are you like Christ yet? Are people mistaking you for Jesus? Okay, until that happens, you know what? Why don't you just keep on trying? Why don't you just keep on doing better? What do I need to do? Get in your Bible. It will show you. Start obeying those commandments. Start purging yourself from certain things. There is so much Bible about holy living for Christians. We ought to be trying to be holy and trying to be like Christ. But some people, they're satisfied way too easy. Romans 7.22 says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now think about this. When Paul wrote this, Paul's under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. How many of us have ever had any writings that we've done under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost? Alright, we haven't. Okay? Paul, the Apostle Paul is somebody that we would call probably the best Christian that ever lived. So what's his problem? You know, why isn't he satisfied with himself? You know why? Because he wasn't like Christ yet. He was better than any of us. But you know what? If Paul, who was better than any of us, wasn't satisfied with himself, why would we be satisfied with ourselves? We are not like Christ yet. And that's what he's saying. Oh, wretched man, who should deliver me from the body of this death? He really wanted to be like Christ. And you might say that's impossible for us to be like Christ. But you know what? Think about this. So Paul did, you know, most of us have fallen short of our goals. I mean, how many of us in here we've accomplished everything we ever set out to accomplish? All right. If you raise your hand, it's probably because you had really low goals. All right. 
Okay, some of you maybe maybe you have. All right, you know, I graduated the eighth grade. That was my only goal in life. Well, you know, you should have aimed a little higher. All right, you should have aimed a little bit higher. But so, but think about Paul. He said, "Well, that was way too high of a goal." Okay, that was a really high goal. But guess what? Guess where he ended up landing? Most people think he was probably the best Christian that ever lived. That's pretty good, right? Well, what do we often do? Hey, as long as I'm just better than you know, most of the people in the church. You know? We're always trying to just measure ourselves up to other people, which the Bible says is not wise. You know, even if you know as long as I'm just I, I, I don't want to be the worst person in the church because I don't want the pastor preaching all my, all my problems, but I don't need to be the best person in the church. You know, I'm not the pastor, so I just want to be that in between person. You know, that way I'm not always getting picked on from the pulpit. You know, that's a terrible goal. You know what your goal should be? Your goal should be to be like Christ. And if your goal is to be like Christ, yes, I don't think you'll ever get there on this earth, but you know what? You might just end up being a great Christian that does some amazing things for God if you'll, if you'll set a goal like that. Paul had goals. And you know what? We've got to set goals. And all that's what this message is about. It's the importance of setting goals. The Apostle Paul did not get to be the kind of Christian he was by accident. It didn't just happen to him because he got saved. Paul had a goal, and he makes it very clear. I mean, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. His goal was to apprehend for himself what had already been apprehended for him. His goal was to be just like Jesus Christ. And he worked at that. He focused on that. And that because he had a goal, he accomplished great things. And you know, we need to have goals in our life. We need to have spiritual goals. You need to have a goal. Hey, I want to get somewhere spiritually. I want to accomplish some things. You ought, you, we ought to have physical goals. It's good to have physical goals. Okay? That, I mean, that's one of the things that motivates us. You know, whether that goal be to see a certain number on the scale, or whether that goal be to, you know, I, I like to run. You know, that's one of the things that I do, and I've got goals that I have for running. I don't know if I ever even want to try to run a marathon. I haven't set that goal, but I'm thinking about maybe trying a half marathon. You know, one of these days. You know, but we we have you ought to set physical goals. If if you don't have a goal, I promise you're not just going to get up one day and just run a marathon. It's not going to happen. You're not just going to just all of a sudden one day just end up accomplishing this great thing. If you're whether it be to be an Olympian or whatever, you've got to have a goal and you've got to work towards some of those things. We ought to have financial goals. We need to be disciplined in our money. I can preach a whole series of messages on that. A lot of people get in financial trouble because they have no plan. They have no goals. They're not thinking about anything. They have no budget. They just do whatever with their money and they wonder why they're always in a mess. They're always wondering why they're in a financial bind. You know, You need to have some goals. You need to have family goals. All right, parents, you know, your goal should not just be keep them alive till they turn 18. You know, that, that's a bad goal. That's a lot of, that's, but that's a goal of a lot of people. You know, you need to have goals for your kids. You need to have, be focused and say, you know what, I want my kids to continue living the type of life I'm living. Well, if I'm going to do that, we're going to have to work on some things. One, I'm going to have to make sure that we're actually happy and that we're actually, you know, living a good life. That, you know, that we have the kind of life that somebody would actually want to have and want to continue doing. You know why most kids are so rotten as soon as they turn 18? Because they're just trying to escape from the prison that they're living in, from the nightmare of a household they had. 
You know what? You need to have a happy home. I preach a whole message on that. But just we need to have goals, career goals, personal goals. You need to set goals in your life. You need to have something that you're working towards, something that you're focused on. I mean, this week, tomorrow morning when you get up, there ought to be something that you're working on, something that you're striving for. Things that you want, things that you want to accomplish. It's good to write these things down. It's good to make a list and figure out, you know, what do I have to do to check these things off and to accomplish these things. These things are important. Turn over to Galatians chapter five, or no, uh, Romans chapter seventeen. Go to Romans chapter seventeen or seven. Romans chapter seven. There is no Romans seventeen. Romans chapter seven. The because re- here the reason you need goals is because you're not just going to naturally do the right thing. Okay, Let's look at a few of these verses before the ones that we just read about Paul. He says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Things that I'm not planning on doing, the evil things that I'm not trying to do, I'm doing them. Why? Because it's what we're naturally inclined to do. Now, if I do that, I would not. If I'm doing the evil things that I wasn't even planning on doing, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So right there we see that we are not just going to naturally do the right thing. We are just not going to naturally accomplish great things. And you especially are just not going to naturally be a good Christian. That's why I get so aggravated with these preachers too that act like you know if you really get saved, you're going to have this massive change in your life. Like it's just completely natural for a Christian to just be this you know, great holy person. Well, it is natural for a spiritual person to be holy, but you know what? We've got another law in our members too. Our flesh is still there and it's natural for Him to be rotten. So what do we do? Well, we've got to learn to walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you know what? That takes effort. That takes effort. It takes a lot of work. And you know what? Sometimes people need a lot of help. They need a lot of encouragement. And it is very possible for somebody to get saved, but not to walk in the Spirit and not accomplish anything. Why? Because that old man is still there and it's working against us. So we have to make a conscious effort if we're going to accomplish certain things. Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so ye cannot do the things that ye would. We've got something working against us. It's just like, you know, everybody wants to go on a diet. Everybody wants to lose weight. We want to do that with our mind, but our body loves ice cream. Our body loves junk food. You know, our body hates exercise. You know, we have these things that are working against us. We have, you know, every time I want to go on a good diet, you know, I go drive by McDonald's and it says McRib is back every single time. It's, it never fails. And we have those things working against us. And, yeah, but I decided I was going to do a diet. Yeah, but the McRib's back. That's only here for a limited time. And i got to get all those I can while they're here because they're not here that often. And it's usually around the fall when they come. So I try not to do diets around the fall. But anyway, a side note there. 
But it, it's it's not natural. Okay, it's not natural for us to do these things. We've got to make a conscious effort. We're going to have to do things on purpose that we don't feel like doing. Turn over Colossians chapter three and verse one. See, that's the problem with a lot of people. I don't feel like doing this. Well, I don't. I don't feel like going to church today. Well, welcome to being a human. All right, welcome to being somebody that has flesh. You know what? Do it anyway. I don't feel like being nice today. I'm in a bad mood. Well, get over it. You know what? Don't don't be that way. Make an effort. The Bible says in verse one, "If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection." on the things above, not on the things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. He's telling you, you got to mortify your members. You're going to have to go to work. You're going to have to try to stop these things. You've got to put these things out of your life. Keep them away. But, he said, but my flesh like these, likes these things. My flesh wants these things. Well, you know what? Romans 8.12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. You know what? You've got to stop listening to the lie that your body tells you all the time that you've got to have this, you've got to have that, you've got to have this in order to be happy. You know, we're all we're always going after these things of the flesh. Our flesh is a liar. Okay, our physical body that we have it is a liar. Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You think I've got to have these things? You know, this is what's going to make me feel good. This is what's going to make me happy. If I could just have this bigger house, if I could just drive this car, if I could just make this much more money, if I could just, you know, if I could just have these things, if I could just go to this place, you know, and you know, young kids especially and teenagers, they start getting all these temptations. If I could just have this experience, if I could just try this out, your flesh is a liar. And you know what? You are not obligated to just give your flesh whatever it wants. You know what you just need to do? You need to tell your flesh. Sorry, you are not the boss. I know you want these things. I know this is what you desire, but you don't get it. And you know what? A lot of parents today, you know, they're spoil they spoil their kids. We we know this. You spoil your kids by giving them everything they want. I mean, is that a good way to raise your kids? Give them everything they want. How much school do you think kids would get if they you gave them everything they want? You know, how much junk food do you think they'd eat if you gave them everything that they wanted? I mean, what do you think would happen to you? What do you think would they would accomplish? Alright? Well, I can tell you exactly what that would be. I see a lot of these people and I'm out knocking doors and I can't give them the gospel because they're in the middle of their stinking video games. Alright? I had one of those yesterday and that, that always gets me aggravated when I go and I knock on the door and these guys come with their headset on their head and their game controller in their hand. I'm like, can you put the stinking thing down for 15 minutes and let me, t you know, and talk to a human being? You know, you moron. I've never said that to any of them, but I've thought it before. I thought before, you're going to go to hell because you can't listen to the gospel because you're going to go play your stupid video game. Accomplishing absolutely nothing. Now, why do they do that? Because that's all about the flesh. That's all about pleasing the flesh. I'm trying to talk about something spiritual, but these people are sold out to their flesh. They give themselves whatever they want. And parents, we know as parents, you don't do that to your kids. It's a terrible thing to do to your kids, but we often do that to ourselves. 
We give our body every little thing at once and we wonder why we're always miserable. We wonder why we have no power in our life. We wonder why we're, we're a sorry Christian. It's because we have sold, we have, we've given our flesh everything at once. See, we're not going, you know, if, if we're going to accomplish some things, we're going to have to work our way up to certain things. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. See, I understand we, you ought to want to be like Christ. We I think we all know that's not going to happen overnight. We need to start working on some things. We need to, we need to work our way up to some things. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, said, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. He's saying add these things. Add them to your faith. Alright? Your faith is what gets you saved. Your faith in Christ is what gets you saved. But you know what? After you get saved, hey, how about you add some virtue to your life? And after you get some virtue, why don't you add some knowledge? Why don't you start learning some of the Bible? You know, why don't you get some temperance? It's, you know, why don't you start adding some things to your life? How about you start growing a little bit and start being like Christ? Because for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Hey, there are some people, they have forgotten that righteousness has been apprehended for them. They forgot about that and they've quit trying to actually live like they're righteous and act like they're righteous. They've, they've forgotten about that. And so right there, he's telling them, you need to start adding some things. And you know, you cannot. Okay, I know this is America and a girl can just declare herself a boy and vice versa. All right? that's, the, that's the age we live in today. Preachers can get up and they can call themselves a Baptist preacher. doesn't matter if they don't have Baptist doctrine. doesn't matter if they've never been ordained or anything like that. They'll just declare themselves whatever they want and we're all just supposed to accept it. That's the way it is in our world today. But that, my friends, is not reality. And you know what? I can't just walk up here today and say, you know what? I have decided that I am... A an Olympic weightlifter. Now I I can't just do that. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I'm going to walk. I'm going to go into the gym tomorrow, and I'm going to lift weights, and I'm going to declare myself an Olympic weightlifter. Well, sorry, I actually have to accomplish some things first, don't I? You know, first of all, you know, I've got to you know get in better shape. I've got to start. You know, there's things you got to qualify. You know, you I, I don't know the whole. Uh, procedure you have to go through to actually get to the Olympics. But I can't just, you know, it would be foolish for me to just call myself that. Or even for me too, alright, well I can, I can, if I want I guess, I can, fine, I'm a weightlifter. I just decided right now I'm a weightlifter. Now I do lift weights sometimes, not a lot, as you can tell. But I mean, you know, you know when, whenever we declare ourselves something, we have certain expectations, right? I can declare myself a race car driver. Well, you know, what you know? What kind of car does it have to be? I mean, I, I can race my truck. You know, I can race my wife home. You know, I'm racing, right? No, there, there's there, there's certain things we expect, right? No, you actually need to be participating in some things. You actually need to be, you know, winning some things. Okay. Now, I can I, if I want, I can call myself a runner. I've ran in some competitions. I've run in some of the 5Ks and 10Ks here in town. I didn't win, but you know, I participated. But for me to go and start calling myself these things 
Shouldn't I have actually accomplished something, actually won something, maybe had some kind of prize, maybe had some kind of award, maybe actually had some kind of recognition from someone saying, hey, this guy actually does know how to do these things. All right? And it doesn't count if I just go out and I race my kids or something like that. You know, you actually do something. But that, that's the attitude people have today is we think we can just declare ourselves super Christian. We can just declare ourselves, you know what? I, yeah, I've decided today that I am a great Christian. Alright, that's not really how it works. Okay, It's not something that you just declare yourself. You actually have to go do something. So, you know, how about you actually start reading your Bible? How about you actually start, you know, going soul winning and leading some people to Christ? How about you actually start practicing some godly standards and godly convictions in your life? How about you start cleaning some things up? How about maybe you go get rid of some of the junk that's in your house that's, you know, weight and sin, their weights and sins that are, that are holding you down and holding you back? How about you actually start making some changes in your life? You know, you can't just walk into a church building and then just, you know, declare yourself a pastor. Now, people do that today. Okay, I understand this is America. People do whatever they want to. But that's not how reality works. We see in the Bible things like a pastor. That is something you're ordained. You're ordained of men. That is something that the Bible teaches. Even Jesus Christ, our high priest, He was somebody, He did not just take that upon Himself, the Bible says. It was something that was given to Him by the Father. God gave that to Him. No man taketh that honor unto Himself. And there are many people today, they are taking honors for themselves that they don't deserve. That they, do, they have not earned. They have not accomplished anything. And you can't, there are some things you just can't do in reality. And so what you, but what you should do though, is instead of just going around and declaring yourself to have accomplished certain things that you have not accomplished, you know what? Actually go and do something. Why don't you just actually start working towards those things and doing it in a right way. Because so, I said, there, you know, there's people today too, they think just because they're good at a video game, you know, maybe they know how, they're good at Madden, NFL or something, they think that means they're going to be good at football. Well, so I don't care how good you are at the video game, you might be good at the sport on a video game. doesn't mean you're going to be good at the, at the actual sport. And there's a lot of people out there today who they've listened to a lot of preaching. They've, they've heard a lot of stuff, and so they have just decided, I could do that. I could pastor a church. You know, I could do this. I could do that. But you know what? Instead of just all of a sudden going right for the top and trying to be a pastor or something, why don't you actually go and be faithful to a church for a while? You know, I had a guy one time rebuke me, telling me I was wrong about something, and I, this, this guy had been saved for six months. And I'm thinking, really? You know, you, you've been saved for six months, and you already know more than I do about the Bible. You know more than I do about church structure and how things are supposed to work because you know you listen to a sermon somewhere and it, you know that was probably a good sermon, but you know you now know how to just apply it in every area. You've just got all this experience. You're a moron, my friend. All right, and I'm not going to listen to somebody who has only been saved for six months, all right? especially when you're not even backing up your position with Bible. But that's the attitude people have today. They do because you know in the social media world. Where any moron can go leave their opinion wherever they want, it's made people think that their opinion matters. You know, because it can be seen now that it actually matters. But no, I'm sorry. You know, a lot of people leave comments on YouTube and things like that. All right, and if somebody's watching this and not trying to pick on you, 
But some of your comments are stupid. All right, I'm not mean. I don't go and argue with everybody. Sometimes when people are exceptionally stupid, I might have fun with them and say some things. I mean, just this week, I, there was some. I mean, extra doses of stupidity uh, that came my way. But um, yeah, you know, you're you're not that smart. You're you're not that great. Why don't you just go and actually do something consistently for a while? Why don't you actually go and try to accomplish something? You've never even done any little things. And if you know the truth is, if you fail at the little things, it's safe to say you're going to fail at the big things. Jeremiah 12, verse 5 says, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they weary thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Hey, if you can't handle the footmen... If they're wearing you out, you're not going to be able to handle the horses when they come. And you know what? The Bible says even for a pastor, there's qualifications for a bishop. And it's supposed to be one that can rule his own house well. Why does it say that? Well, because if a guy can't run his own house, he's definitely not going to be able to run a church. So you know what? Somebody who can't rule his own house shouldn't be pastoring a church. And if you do, if you want to pastor a church, don't just say, you know what? I declare myself a pastor. Hey, why don't you go and actually start accomplishing something in your home first? Why don't you go and actually raise some kids to actually be decent kids that know how to behave? Why don't you actually judge a few situations? This guy, too, who was rebuking me and knew more about pastoring than me, too, he was a single guy. He didn't even have a wife. And I'm just, you know, and you know what? I, I, I give young guys in their early 20s a lot of grace. I understand being young, arrogant, and stupid, all right? It's pretty natural, okay? It's pretty natural, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to be so gracious that I'm going to listen to these people. Alright? I, I might not always rebuke them when they're being idiots. It's part, it's just, it's part of life. But, like, man, you, you can't even get, you can't even find a wife. You really think you're going to get a congregation to follow you? You know, you don't, or you can't even raise kids. And you think you're going to be able to judge situations in the house of God? You think you're going to be able to handle things? Sorry. You know, why don't you go accomplish that first? All right. And then actually try doing something. And so, you know, it's like with the weightlifting thing. And I don't know what an Olympian, you know, how much he can lift compared to his body weight. All right. I'm sure, you know, they can bench press double, at least double their body weight. Well, I can't just say, well, all right, so here's the Olympic record. So, you know, I'm not just going to walk into the gym and try to break the record my first time that I'm there. You have to work up to that. If I try to just break the record, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get hurt. And you know why a lot of people who go into the ministry end up getting burned out of the ministry? A lot of people are people that are going into the ministry that are not qualified yet. They have not been proven. They have not been properly trained. And they end up getting destroyed and they end up getting burned out. And shame on the pastors who send these guys out before they're ready. I think a lot of pastors have done a lot of disservice to uh, some good guys who just, they were good guys, they just weren't ready. They weren't taught right. And, but, but in the end, part of the problem is, one of the reasons we're seeing a lot of guys get sent out who just aren't qualified and who are failing so bad at being a pastor, they've not been taught what a good goal is to set. The standard has been set so low. For example, you know, most places where people are being sent out today are Bible colleges, alright? I don't recommend you know, going to Bible college for training. But the thing is, in Bible college today, the standard is so low because, well, these people, they've been paying tuition for four years. What are their parents going to say if they don't graduate after four years? Well, they're not going to want to send the next kids. So they're always just letting these people all pass through there and graduate. 
And then they walk out of these Bible colleges thinking, I'm ready for the ministry. I'm ready to be a pastor. I'm ready to be a missionary. And they're not ready. They've not really accomplished anything. The goal has been, uh, the goal that they have set for them is so stinking low that it's not even funny. You know what we need to do? We need to set really high goals. We need to have our goals way up there. Like the Apostle Paul, he had a high goal. He wanted to accomplish great things. He wanted to be like Jesus Christ. And so you know what? He never got there. He was never just like Christ. But you know, he fell short of that. But you know what? He was probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. Why? Because he had a high goal that he worked towards, that he was accomplishing. And what we need to do, we need to surround ourselves with people that will motivate us to accomplish some goals. Or that will motivate us to actually set some goals and that are people that have goals for us. And that's one of the thing, purposes of church. Okay? We don't have church just to get people saved. That's what we have the soul winning for. You know what we have church, we have church for to exhort the believers, to encourage one another, to build each other up, to lift each other up. Hebrews 10.24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Why do we need to do that? Because it doesn't come natural. It doesn't come natural for us to just do the good works. We're going to be tempted to sin. We're going to be tempted to backslide on God and we need people around us that will push us and that will motivate us. And you know, you think about it too, when it comes to sports and when it comes to a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the physical things that people try to accomplish, they often do better not in their practices. They often have their best performances, whether it be running, weightlifting, in front of an audience. Why? Because they got people cheering them on. And you know what it does? It motivates them. It motivates them to try a little harder. I can't tell you how many times I've went out to go run a 5K or something on my own. And I'm running. And I'm all by myself. And I'm just like, yeah, this is stupid. And then I just I start walking. I'll, I'll run a mile you know, instead of three. You know, it, it, it's easy to do that. It's easy, it's easy to just give up. Especially if you're on a treadmill and you're running. You're just running on a treadmill. Nobody's cheering for you. You know, nobody's watching. Nobody cares. So, eh, forget it. It's just easy to quit. But you know when we often do our best, it's when people are encouraging us. And that's one of the reasons we need church. So we got people that are looking out for us. We got a pastor who's watching out for us and watching for our souls and motivating us and encouraging us and cheering for us. And you know, that's what I'm doing a lot of times when I'm preaching and I'm up here yelling at you. I'm like the person that's in the stands that's yelling at the play. Hey, keep on running. You're not hurt. You're not tired. You know, you're almost there. Keep going. Why, why are they yelling at them like this? Because they hate them? No, they're trying to encourage them. They're trying to motivate them. When I'm up here yelling at y'all, I'm not, I'm not doing it because I hate you. I'm doing it. I'm trying to motivate you. I'm trying to encourage you. Hey, y'all think you're being good Christian? You're not, you know, no, you haven't arrived yet. You're not like Jesus Christ yet. You're not done yet. Hey, keep going. Keep running because a lot of you want to just lay down and you want to just give up. Or a lot of you are just satisfied. Well, I'm not going to get in last place. You know, there's the fat kid way back there, way behind me. As long as I beat him, I'm fine. Hey, that's a bad attitude to have. Why don't you go and you, want, you know, try to get first place? You know, don't just be satisfied that you're beating one person. Well, I'm better than this person in the church. No, keep on running. This isn't time to give up. You need to have a goal. You need to just set, I mean, set your heart out to accomplish some great things. And the problem with many people today, they have no expectations for themselves. And part of that's the way they're raised. Parents, they have no expectations for their children. Their churches have no expectations. And you know what? If we're going to accomplish something, 
It's not going to be by accident. If we are going to be the greatest church in the Sterling Rock Falls area, it's not just going to happen. It's not just, man, just you know, look at us. Look at our personality. You know, we're us. We're Baptists. We're automatically going to be the greatest. No, we're not. We're going to have to make an effort. We're going to have to have some goals. We're going to have to decide what it means to be the greatest. And we're going to have to do those things. We're going to have to make sure that we accomplish something and set those goals because it's not going to come naturally. It's not going to come without a fight. It's not going to come out. It's not going to come without some pain and suffering. But we just got to determine this is what we're going to do. We're going to do whatever it takes to get there and we're going to accomplish some great things for God. And what you, all of you in here need to do, you need to set some goals in your life. You need to say, you know, whether, whether it be the physical, you know, it's good to have exercising goals. Alright, you know, those of you that are up there in years and probably aren't going to be running any marathons, so, well, my goal is to hit this age, you know, and uh, I'm going to make it to 100 or something like that. And you know what? If you have a goal like that, you know, maybe you won't be like, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't eat the extra piece of cheesecake or something, you know, in the fellowship or, you know, I, I don't know. But, you know, have a goal. Have something that you're living for. Something that motivates you know, don't just get up every day just waiting to die. You know, don't be like these parents who are raising their kids, just wait till they turn eighteen. So I hear parents say that all the time. Ah, just waiting for eighteen. Just waiting for you're you're a terrible parent. That, that's a that's a terrible goal. And have have some goals in your life. Otherwise you're not going to accomplish anything. And make those goals high. Alright? Especially as a Christian, say, I want to be like Christ. I will be satisfied. When I awake and thy likeness. Don't have a goal to just, as long as I'm as good a Christian as Pastor Tommy. As I'm as good as the pastor, then that's great. That's a terrible goal. That is not, Bible says that is not wise. Your goal should be to be like Christ. And He's attained righteousness for you, apprehended it for you, but now, in appreciation, why don't you go and try to be as much like that as you possibly can. And so, with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for what You've already done for us, for achieving that righteousness for us on our behalf. But dear God, I pray You'll help us to not be satisfied with that, Lord, but to say, you know what? I want to accomplish something for You. I want to be like You as much as I possibly can here in this earth so I can do great things. And I pray You'll motivate us, dear God, to set those goals, whether it be spiritual, physical, financial. Help us to, just to, to have goals and to be focused and so we can accomplish great things. In Your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's all stand.